Well, good morning and welcome to Sun Insight. This is Tom Curran. Today on the program, I have the wonderful gift of welcoming um, Mrs. Genevieve Edmund. She is the head of school at Corda Christ, which is a classical Catholic academy. It's an academy in the Catholic tradition, which I love. And Kellen Clemens is here as well. Kellen is the president of the board of directors and one of the founding members of Corda Christ Academy. I want to welcome you both to the program. Thank, Thank you, you for having us, Tom. It's a pleasure to be with you this morning. Yeah, so this is Catholic Schools Week, and so I thought, you know what, what a better opportunity there is than to have on leaders of schools that are operating in the Catholic tradition, to be able to give them a chance to be able to talk about what they're seeing, what's happening at their schools, to be a source of encouragement and inspiration, because there are so many things happening in the world today that can be discouraging. And so I have reached out to them, to Genevieve and Kellen today, to be able to introduce us more fully to the to the great things that are happening at Core to Christ. So Genevieve, I'm going to let you, as head of school at Core to Christ Academy, uh, take on this question. And, and that is, what's the vision and mission of your school? What's the vision and mission of Core to Christ Academy, which is a classical school operating in the Catholic tradition? in Coeur Idaho. Um, well, our mission as a school is to have Christ at the heart of everything. I can read our mission verbatim, but obviously when you, when you take on a project like this and decide to build a school that exemplifies what you want for your children, mission and vision are everything. You know, we could send our kid to just about any school, but as founding parents and founding board members, there's a new task, and that's to help raise the next generation, and not only your children, but for years to come. So we took we took some time deliberation. We we touched base with a number of our partners in, in school founding, like John Paul the Great Institute, and even referred to some of the other classical schools in the area, like the Oaks Academy and Chesterton Academy. And mission for us is to form the next generation of saints, scholars, and servants with Christ at the heart of everything. So you'll note that, yes, we have parents as the primary educators, and yes, we want this school to be like an extension of the home. We also want to raise good, faithful adults for the world, you know, the next string of leaders for the church. So when we say saints, that means that our priority will be faith above even academics and that we will integrate the Catholic faith into all of our curriculum. When we say scholars, we obviously want excellence in academics and in their education. And so we are we are working to always improve our rigor and to identify the best faculty members that we can for the sake of our students and to prepare them for whatever God's calling them to be. And then servants, um, I'll admit I threw that one in there because in my opinion, there's nothing worse than a snobby Catholic or a snobby Christian or someone who thinks that they are, you know, better than the lowliest of the low. So by servants, we are trying to maintain that virtue of humility and that willingness to serve God in all things, even after school. But as a school, we we really do incorporate a lot of servant leadership into our, our systems. So I don't know. Do you, would you like me to read the whole mission out loud? or No, well, you know what you actually did was, again, you must have been listening to my program because I said that this is the easiest question because oftentimes uh, heads of school, presidents, principals, headmasters will be able to quote their mission statement, but it's mm-hmm. how deeply is it in their being? How deeply ingrained is it in their hearts so that it just naturally flows from them? So I'm going to turn to Kellen now because he's not only the 
the head of the board, but he is a father who has a daughter at the school. And so you just heard Genevieve say a lot of beautiful things about forming saints, scholars, and servants for today and in the next generation. How's that working out? How are you finding the experience that your daughter is having at Court of Christ? And speak as a father. Well, yes, Genevieve, you said it beautifully, as beautiful as, as, beautiful as anyone certainly could. If speaking as a speaking as a father, this school in the first semester has surpassed even my wife and I's wildest expectations. It really has. It has been, um, it has been a place where my daughter has grown in her faith. Um, she has been challenged academically, but not overburdened. Um, there is homework, but she's not drowning in homework each night. Um, and the the community and the culture that has been formed um, at the school largely through, you know, those that are running it day to day, starting with Mrs. Edmund, um, the other um, staff members, and and then the students and the families that were willing to take a leap of faith in some ways, you know, for a year one and not knowing, um, have watched my daughter grow in a way that it all it brings me to tears some days. It really does. Um, when when she wakes up and on a Saturday and she's frustrated because there's no school. When she's frustrated over Christmas break because there's no school and she's just waiting. Um, it says a lot about what what is happening at uh, at Quarter Christ. So we uh, just speaking as a parent, I, I could not be happier. I really couldn't. It's been such a wonderful blessing for our daughter for our family. Um, I have a seventh grade son who is just clamoring to get uh, to enroll. Um, and, uh, and so I just think he wants to play basketball. I think he was just itching that. in that in the stands last night. <laughs> he's, he's coming. He's, he's excited. It, it's, it's, it's a beautiful thing to talk just in speaking of that, because as we're seeing this, this culture grow now, there are young people all the way down to my four-year-old daughter, who is who are playing basketball out in the driveway? I get videos from other parents, um, and and they're they are pretending to be in the same way that we all probably did it. You know, when we were growing up, and I I was Jordan. I wanted to be Jordan. That dream <laughs> died quickly. But you know, but these young people now are. I'm seeing it. Four years old, eight, ten. They're going out in the driveway and they're pretending to be saints. They are pretending to be quarter Christians out in the driveway and you hear my son, my son, you know, Thomas Schlater for three. And my daughter's like, I'm Ben Connolly. And you know, they're running around and it's, you know, it's, it's starting to have a ripple effect that is just, it's just beautiful. It's everything that we could have hoped for. Yeah. That's Kellen Clemens talking today along with uh, Genevieve Edmund. Genevieve's the head of school at Court of Christ Academy, which is a classical school in the Catholic tradition operating in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. It's the first year. And um, they took the courageous step of saying, we want a a school setting for our kids to be able to flourish in this moment. And it's not an easy moment for that to happen. And so Genevieve, before we move on to the next question, I just want to give you a chance. Is there a story that you can think of that exemplifies this idea that Court of Christ exists to foster saints, scholars, and servants? You know, you've been open now for five months. 
Um, is, is there a story that comes to mind? And, and I, I'm sure there are a hundred, but if there's one that you're like, you know, this one really meant a lot to me when I saw this happen, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, no, I love that. I honestly think that something happens just about every day here that is eye-opening. And honestly, it humbles me because when I was in high school, you know, when my husband was in high school, we were far more self-absorbed than these kids. Like we were just unaware of of others, of our peers, let alone our the adults, you know, and our leaders at, at schools and sports, athletics, everything else. These kids are so thankful all the time. Um, I, I can't even tell you how often I hear a thank you or receive a thank you note and whatnot. But one thing that uh, stands out to me in particular is we did have one of our freshmen accidentally forget a lunch one day. And granted, our teachers, uh, we, we, we pull money from our own pockets to create an emergency supply for these kids. Um, but this student didn't tell us. And instead, he and one of his friends went downstairs and prayed the rosary during lunch. Without telling anyone, they went downstairs. They took it as an opportunity to fast. And the sophomore who went downstairs to pray with this student, he brought his lunch, offered to share it, and instead they chose to fast and pray the rosary. So again, you know, when there's no incentive, when there's no adult there watching to to give them the pat on the back and they just choose in integrity to do something for God, I think that's that's a win, you know. They're thinking outside of themselves as teenagers and going to our Lord. And I would say that's that's one of my favorite stories, even though I mean think greater things happen just about every day. We have students helping one another with homework during our very short lunch. Uh, we have a, a virtue of the month where we identify which student exemplified that virtue and celebrate them. Um, it just seems like these kids are so worth celebrating and thankfully they are, they are humble. So it makes it all the more reason to celebrate. I, I want to, I want to hear more about that. So a virtue of the month. So it's the end of January now. Yeah. What was the, what was the virtue you were pursuing this month and like, what form did that take? So January's was temperance. And uh, we ended up choosing Sean Hayes, who's one of our juniors, and he is on the Court of Christ basketball team. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to our virtue of the month, we have we have a monthly prayer card that includes a virtue, a work of sacred art, a hymn, and a prayer. And we also identify the saints that are celebrated in the feast days that take place that month. So we have these laminated. They're kind of like a giant holy card that I make every month for the students to have the visual aid that they need. And then we sing together because, again, uh, as a founding school, you know, a classical school, the arts are very important, but we don't have a music program yet. I'm excited to tell you more about that for next year. Um, but with the with these prayer cards, it's it's sort of just a moment of beauty in the midst of the day. So when we wrap up lunch, we pray the Angelus right at noon and we dive into that virtue. Sometimes it's student-led, faculty-led. I'll lead it myself. We'll talk about everyday application of the virtue. And then at the end of the month, I have a meeting with all of our faculty members and we vote on the Court of Christ state that represented that. So um, temperance was this last month and we have wisdom coming up for February. We had magnanimity for our first month, which was beautiful because you led our convocation and spoke about magnanimity. And I just remember thinking like, oh my goodness, God's showing us, us another consolation in all of this. So Virtue has you know, been a very important part of the the daily operations, I will say, of this school. Well, and I just love that because parents hear this 
if you're sending your kids into an environment where they're having virtues presented to them as ideals to be made real in their lives, and it becomes a focus of attention, reflection, and action, you're you're sending your child into a, a place, into an environment where literally their eternal reality is being impacted. That is so, for me, so meaningful and profound that that's what I want for my kids. I want the way in which Christ will form in them and be forged in them is through things like growing in virtue. So Mm -hmm. I, I just love that. I just think that's so powerful and important. Now, Kellen, you and, and uh, Genevieve, uh, again, at the founding of Court of Christ, um, you're in a place now where the reality of being intentional about living the faith becomes, I think, central. It's one of those things where statistically, it's very often the case that half or maybe just above half of the students in attendance self-identify as Catholic. And the number of families that are attending mass on a regular basis, you know, being very intentional, not just self-identifying as Catholic, can be really quite low. And that makes the environment so much harder for the kids who are there in the school. And especially at a high school level, that is so critical. How would you describe the, the let's call it, the, the, the kind of families that are drawn to Court of Christ? If you could just try to describe them in terms of that sense of intentionality and and the place in which their practice of their Catholic faith is part and parcel of who they are, how would you how would you talk about that? Well, I will speak from what I've seen, um, and I don't know all of these families intimately. I, I, I admittedly I do not know all of these families intimately, but what I will speak to what I've seen, especially from the children, the students. Um, and from the families that I do know. And I think that the the word that you use is the right word. It's intentional. And I think that the priorities of everything starts with our faith and then everything else falls into place after that is I think that that approach is consistent across the board with every family that has come on um, in this first year. And that's, that's the families that started with, you know, the 26 young men and women that started and then the, Genevieve six or eight that have added since then. Um, and, and I think that that's reflective Tom of, of the priorities of the school. And, you know, we are in the Catholic tradition, but our Catholic faith that we all love so dearly is a part of everything that we do. This is not a school with a religion class. Our faith is incorporated into every aspect of every part of every day at that school. Uh, amazing at lunchtime, where we're just going to take that amongst uh, uh, you know on ourselves and go downstairs, pray the rosary and fast. Um, you know, obviously saying the Angelus during lunchtime um, from the sports perspective. And I'm not Tom. Admittedly, I'm not quite as involved in the day to day. Certainly, to any extent as Genevieve. So, Genevieve, I'd let you chime in on that too. Um, but on the sports, on the sports perspective, every every practice, every game is beginning and ending with prayer. There's an emphasis on understanding that you know while we are competing to win the game, there is a bigger there is a bigger objective at play 
in in athletics and what we're doing. We are trying to form the whole person, which is why we are, you know, um, why we're in, we are a classical academy, but we're still emphasizing and encouraging athletics because of the opportunity to form these young men and women in that physical discipline, right, of their bodies and, and, and how that plays into all aspects of our faith. It's not just we're trying to go out and win the game. We're trying to build to more than than what it's um, – than just these four years of high school even. Um, Genevieve, do you have anything to add on that just on the day-to-day of where it shows yeah. up? You're the Absolutely. Well, I mean, the, just the idea that God exists in everything and even in mathematics and – faith and science can be worked together. I mean, we, we've chosen our curriculum very deliberately, but we also have the faculty members who in some ways are like the living, breathing curriculum, and they are there to help tie in logic, you know, and the principles of God and, and design and all of it. And we have, um, thankfully, you know, we have these teachers who are so passionate about their own faith that as they go through history or writing and other works of literature, they're able to to put that in perspective with salvation history. So uh, we, we tie in a lot of the lives of the saints, especially in ancient and medieval history right now. We're obviously learning uh, the Latin language, given that we're a classical school. And and so, you know, it's, it's easy to tie in Latin prayers and to translate them and to find out, you know, that they were written back in 200 AD. And and there's just, there's just this like living and breathing awareness that God designed all of it, that he sustains all of creation. And so when the children are approached with something in physical science or biology, they're able to see, you know, God's, God's beauty in it and his, his omniscience. And um, thankfully, you know, in the Socratic method, you're able to bring up hard questions and you're able to sort of wrestle with some of these ideas and so we do allow for our students to read, you know, other documents that I wouldn't say are, are church founded or supported, but it gives them an idea of where the atheist argument came from or what philosophies led to this dualism view of humans. And so I think over time, you know, they're just they're wrestling with these ideas and they're coming to realize that the church is founded on so many important truths that they should they should encounter in math in geometry, especially like Euclid's principles and all of it like there is reason to how this world operates and of course we always point that to the the source and summit of god himself that's awesome that's genevieve edmund today and she's talking about core to christ which is a classical school in the catholic tradition in downtown Coeur d'Alene. And you can see on the screen, if you're watching this as in a video version, it's coredochrist.org. Folks, if you want to learn more about Coeur de Christ Classical Academy in the Catholic tradition, it's C-O-E-U-R-D-U and then the word Christ.org. Coredochrist.org. This is Tom Kern. I'm with Kellen Clemens and Genevieve Edmund. Uh, Kellen is the head of the board of directors and Genevieve is head of school at Coeur Christ Academy in, uh, in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You have a, a wonderful event coming up on March the 18th called The Great Saints. I want to hear about this event uh, in terms of what it is that's happening there and why folks would want to come and find out more about Coeur Christ. Absolutely. Well, I've been calling it the greatest party this side of heaven. And so there is definitely, you know, this sense of just coming together and celebrating holy culture together. 
given given the date, March 18th, we chose to pit St. Patrick against St. Joseph, nice. foster father of Christ. And uh, also, given that, sorry, Irish cuisine, but, you know, your Irish food is just nothing compared to Italian. So that gave us the opportunity to have a, an Italian catered meal and uh, Irish festivities. So that's student-led and faculty-led Irish singing, dancing, clogging, and whatnot. So we will have quite the evening. Uh, this is also our biggest fundraiser of the year, and we're hoping to prepare and fundraise for the future build-out of the school so that we can reach more of a capacity and have a music program, have a Rome pilgrimage, all the goals that we have in mind for the coming years. So March 18th, We'll begin at 4.30 um, with like a soft opening. We're actually going to pray the rosary in Gaelic, Italian, Latin, and English. And then and then we'll we'll follow up with cocktails, dinner, and a blessing, the traditional St. Joseph's altar, and uh, lots more after that. We have a number of live auction items focused on experiences and, you know, booze. What are they called, Kellen? booze cruise. We have a booze cruise up for grabs. We have a, a Sun Valley trip, a week-long trip um, at a cabin up there. Just a number of, of fun opportunities for families to invest in and support the school simultaneously. Well, I got to tell you, I've been to, it would be hard for me to, to identify the number of Catholic school auctions I've been to. I have never been mm -hmm. to a school auction where you pray the rosary. That is just amazing. I just love that. Uh, and then you go to cocktail hour. I've always seen a cocktail hour, but I've never <laughs> seen pray the rosary. So good, good. Catholic. Well, we are Catholics, so we have to drink, but yeah. we should probably and, pray first. And I thought it was very wise. He did this on a Saturday in Lent. This is very good. This is, this is so you can catch all those folks who are who do the Sunday is not Lent. So it's a little Easter for me, and it kind of begins on the evening before. Perfect. I yes. love it. So you truly are operating in the Catholic tradition when you do that. But <laughs> this praying the rosary part, I just, I am, I'm stunned in, in a really beautiful way. Okay. So let's keep talking because I've got more questions here. Uh, there are more questions. And again, this is folks, as we're talking today, this is again, it's during Catholic schools week. And this conversation with Kellen and Genevieve, uh, uh, Genevieve, again, Mrs. Edmund, the head of school at Court of Christ Academy, uh, operating in downtown Coeur d'Alene, uh, is it, it's meant to encourage you. It's meant to get you thinking. It's meant to, you to realize like um, what's possible today. I think that there is a lot of signs of diminishment of Catholic faith. So many young people are walking away from their Catholic faith, struggle to uh, want to be Catholic in, in terms of beliefs and practices. And I want you to know that there are signs of life and there are beautiful things happening that ought to be lifted up, celebrated and, um, and honored in order to be able to inspire more efforts, right? More efforts. What's happening in Coeur d'Alene with Coeur Christ is, is so beautiful, but so many more efforts like this are needed, right? So, uh, you know, the great news that Chesterton Academy is opening up uh, uh, another uh, classical Academy uh, on the West side in the Puget Sound in the Archdiocese of Seattle is a wonderful thing. The way that uh, Aquinas Classical Academy is flourishing in Bremerton is another beautiful thing, right? So Chesterton Academy and Spokane are like, we cannot fit more people in our building. We need a new space. These are just beautiful signs of 
life. And I, I think that parents don't always realize what's possible, what's really possible. So let's talk about what's possible in terms of things like technology, dancing, and dating. These are three huge issues that parents are rightly concerned about, and they would love to find partners in the schools where their kids are attending. So Genevieve, I'm going to let you answer the question. You got, you got three to pick from. Okay. So where do you want to, where do you want to go? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going to save the best for last for Kellen, given that he has a daughter and I'll broach technology okay. for the time being. So as a school, we made the decision to be cell phone free. And that means all of our students, as they get on campus, they walk down to the basement where we have a little shoe pocket on the inside of a, a closet door that locks and they place their phones in their shoe sleeve and they don't see them again until the end of the day when it's time to go home. That has been so applauded by the parents that we've attracted to this school, thankfully, you know. Uh, I've heard that other schools struggle with this policy because we have grown so attached to our cell phones and our smart devices. Is it a matter of, you know, keeping our children behind the times and away from technology? No, but I, I mean, I'm living proof myself that as you grow up, you will you will learn how to handle a computer or handle a smart device if that's what you're called to do. Because I grew up without a cell phone myself all the way into college. My parents know absolutely nothing about technology, and that's a compliment. Um, and now I do web design. So again, like these young people, they have... They have plenty of intuition and, and the ability to learn how to use their smart devices. What we're finding in the school setting is that it, it, it distracts you, it can tempt you, and it can keep you just completely separate from the real world. And with the classical way and the classical model, we're trying to get them to enter into what we're doing and to enter into dialogue. And so in a beautiful way, with our absence of technology, students are allowed to bring a laptop and write up an essay. That's been pretty few and far between. Um, but when it, when it comes to internet use and and communicating with one another during the day, it's, it's just absent and it's very good. And I think it's really built our community up on a relational level with the students. And, and then at a community level where these kids, we've had a number of parents and benefactors come to us after um, specific like social events and said, I'm so not used to seeing teenagers engage and talk to adults and, you know, smiling and looking up away from their phones. And I think we're really establishing that, that normalcy for the students at Court of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea of um, emptying the halls of the energy that comes into the halls when you have kids on smartphones and therefore they're on social media, therefore they're interacting together through the digital realm. It just introduces so many toxic elements that are just not worth what they cost. But again, I think mm -hmm. that parents often just think that well, it's not reasonable. It's not, uh, how could we possibly implement something like this? And yet what you've experienced is having done this, parents applaud it rather than mm -hmm. attack it. Um, and so I, I, I applaud you for um, going in that direction. Kim, let me ask you, you have a daughter at the school. Um, yep. it, how bothered is she or what's been her experience of being in an environment that's smartphone free during the school day? Well, it, the beautiful thing of it is we haven't done phones. 
up to this point at, at the house. Like our kids, our kids haven't had phones. And when we were at schools in the past and all of her classmates had them in third and fourth and fifth grade, then we got mom and dad. Can we have a, can I have a phone? Can I have a phone? Can I have a phone? That's what, that's what we got because my kids have, my friends have it and everyone's communicating. That's how everyone is doing it. And we were not asked. We have not been asked this year um, up to this point because it's not a part of the culture of even the families. Again, going back to the family unit, it's not a part of the, the culture of the family unit of the of the families that are that are at the school. And so it doesn't show up and the kids have phones. Um, and we actually just at Christmas got our daughter one of the pinwheel phones as a starter kind of to work in. She's going to basketball practice and games and doing things. Um, so we're phasing in to that a little bit with, with some predetermined steps. Um, good. But, um, um, but it's not something that, that is a, is a, it's, it's not something that they rely on at this point. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I apologize. I, I had a little bit of internet problems you said technology dating and dancing and my computer went haywire so <laughs> well, that's, to Kellen, it's really okay we just talked about you so it was I, that's it why was, i was in a panic that was yes. the main reason why i was in a panic <laughs> this is tom karn i'm with kellen clemens and genevieve edmund they are uh, kellen is the head of the board of directors and genevieve is head of school at quarter christ academy classical academy they're an academy in the catholic tradition operating for their first full year in uh in coeur d'alene idaho and um at, and as part of catholic schools week i'm 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 raising questions that we as parents should have in mind we should be thinking about and pondering because you know here we are we've been through high school and one of the bigger factors that are part of a high school i went to a um i went to a public high school and so you have Me dating too. and dances. These are big deals. These are really mm -hmm. big deals. And uh, kids want to know, like, okay, what parents want to know? Well, what do we, how, what's the what are their policies? Are there even policies that are around something like that? And and then the crazy thing is um, that the concept of even bringing up the reality of dating in a high school and having some policy around it is just. Um, out of people's minds as something that's even possible. So how do you all handle questions that are associated with things like dating and dancing and dances? Yeah. Well, the dating policy is simple. There's a no dating policy on campus. Um, kids are not separating and going off by pairs of the opposite sex. Um, that's just, it's not necessary on campus. We're there for... Um, other reasons. Um, so the dating policy is very simple. Well, let me just is, stop there for a minute. You just said ahead. it's very simple, right? And yes. and the way you said it, it sounds so simple. And yet, honestly, for the typical school, even in faith-based environments, it's radical. It is exceptional. It's something that is almost unheard of. And so what you identify as something so casually and easily as it's a no brainer. When you hear it said like that, it, it actually makes you stop and wonder like, wait a minute, why don't we all operate out of that kind of starting point? It, it really is an, or it really ought to be a kind of no brainer that this is possible. You can do this. You can have a no dating policy at a high school 
especially one that's operating in a faith-based tradition like Court of Christ operating in the Catholic tradition. And then here's the here's the oddity of it all. I'm not even sure that there are Catholic um, schools, grade schools, that have a no dating policy. And so you'll have fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that are dating. Mm. And I'm putting that in quotes. If you're hearing me, I mean, really, it, yeah, it's a uh, it, it was it was a just a typical thing in in the, in the schools where my kids went. Where oh yeah, those two are dating, and they would absolutely be coupling up and isolating themselves in public settings from other kids because they're boyfriend, girlfriend. And we're talking sixth and seventh and eighth graders. And that was just taken for granted. I don't think that ought to be. And I don't think that that is something that's uh, required. Um, and in fact, this is probably a point just to link in, in, a, in, a, in a simple way. Um, Genevieve, I'll go to you that um, a year ago, you were in leadership at um, the the Cabrini Co-op operating just down the street from Court of Christ, and uh, you guys, you guys probably, what was your own? Did you have like some sense about these this issue um, at uh, at Cabrini and then operating as well at Court of Christ? Well, so you know, similarly, it's it's been fairly simple so far, and again. I think when you have parents who are extremely involved and 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 care very much about their child and their soul, uh, there's there's sort of this assumption that dating is for marriage, right? Or it's more of a courtship relationship than just you know your one-off fling and that type of thing. So um, Cabrini is operated in a similar way where there's no exclusive relationships. There's only group setting and good friendships. What's ironic is that as the parents talk, we're all trying to, you know, prearrange <laughs> or uh, suggest highly future... suggestive. No, yeah, highly assisted, yeah. highly assisted, highly right? assisted. That's yeah. It. An unnamed assisted. Catholic uh, father and husband gave me that. I love that. Yeah, I think yes. we're probably talking about the same guy. Yep. Yes. Yeah. I think um, I think one beautiful fruit of Court of Christ Academy will be good and holy marriages. How does that look? You know in a day-to-day school setting, it's actually that they're able to be temperate, that they're able to have relationships with fellow, you know, peers, male and female, without letting their passions own them. And so the, the you know, no dating policy on campus doesn't deter, you know, young people from eventually falling in love and getting married, but it does say we're here to learn, we're here to lead a virtuous life, and if any of the faculty or leadership can sense that the two of you are behaving, you know, as more than friends, then we intervene right away. So, again, it's not to create this, you know, boys are bad, girls are bad. I can't I can't cross contaminate and have these relationships. It's actually to mature them and prepare them to make good decisions when it comes to relationships in the future. Yeah. And uh, I'm very grateful uh, for the gift of that at the classical school where my kids attend. It That's exactly mm-hmm. their policy. And the fruit that I've seen is that it empties the hallway of that energy, the sexualized mm-hmm. energy of who's liking who and 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 are they looking at each other with certain energy and and are they finding opportunities where they're trying to to meet up and 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 all of that. It it lowers the energy, which also lowers the stress and pressure of mm-hmm. how do I be present to and interact with 
um, someone of the uh, other gender? Like, how does a young man properly relate to being with young women? Mm -hmm. And so that is, it's such a gift for the kids, for for these Mm -hmm. high schoolers to be able to learn how to interact as young men and women in a way that is, um, in a way that is much less uh, influenced by that kind of energy. So it mm-hmm. is a tremendous gift. Uh, and I, again, I very much applaud um, you both and in, in Christ for, uh, for promoting that and, and for operating in that way. Um, what about the, I, there's another, like a setting where that kind of energy can easily be increased. And that would be things like dances. So mm-hmm. uh, again, I'm putting your feet to the fire here. So let's, let's talk a little bit about dances and uh, have you pondered the approach that court of Christ has taken to that reality and how does that show up? We had a spring mm-hmm. fling um, in the, in the spring, it was just a community building event and we had daniel Connolly and the gang um i don't know if you're familiar with his dances that he does all throughout the community came and did swing dance lessons and line dance lessons and a number of things and it was beautiful it was beautiful we had middle school all the way up through high school there were parents involved that were there that were dancing um and uh and it was a beautiful event it really was it was a wonderful community building um event at the school as it relates to um specifically you know high school dances as probably as you and i knew them growing up tom with you know homecoming and prom although sadly i never got to go to prom uh just couldn't quite find a date um anyone that was willing to make that sacrifice that would have been the saint scholars and servants part was anyone (laughs) who was willing to go to prom with kellen but um (laughs) Um, oh, as far as, um, you know, some of the homecoming, um, we're working through exactly what dances are going to look like at Quarter Christ. We believe that they are good and beautiful under the right circumstances. Um, and um, and in the same way that our, our students interact at school and they interact at sporting events and they interact on a ski trip on Frasati Friday, they could still interact uh, at a dance and still be virtuous um, young men and women. And um, so we're working through that. We don't have any plans to my knowledge of that in the immediate future, but um, something that um, I think will be a part of culture at, at, at quarter Christ. Genevieve, do you want to add anything there? Yes. Well, Tom, this guy named Tom Curran told me about something called a protocol at the Oaks Academy last night at a basketball game. And I, I do plan to take that idea to the board where there's this sense of, you know, without pairing off with those that you are attracted to, you actually learn how to pair off with whoever you are assigned to have a meal with. You're taught, you know, table manners and have an opportunity to dress up for a special occasion. And then you are taught ballroom dancing. Again, this goes back to what type of dancing are we talking about, right? And then in classical education, you want to know definitions. So when you say, you know, d- does your school support dancing? I think it's it's good to clarify, one, what type of dancing, and two, what's the end goal here? No, it's not your typical high school dance. And the end goal there is not something that we identify as virtuous, you know, or building up the school itself. So 
I think when, you know, what the, the most recent um, dance conversation we had as a board was to eventually have a senior ball for those graduating students who are now preparing to enter into that phase of life and to give them that celebration and opportunity. Again, definition of dancing would be that it is reverent, you know, reverencing the other and more of a, a formal and traditional type of dancing. So I, I wouldn't say that as a school we are anti, right? And it's it's the same idea with the arts and with fellowship and athletics. Like we don't want to be buzz killers to these kids. They have something very good in their hearts to be inspired to fellowship and learn these things. We're just going to do it in a tactful way. I think that's awesome. Again, this is Catholic Schools Week, and just exploring um, live with Genevieve Edmund. Uh, Mrs. Edmund is the head of school at Court of Christ Academy, which is a school opera, a classical school operating in the Catholic tradition in Coeur d'Alene. You can go to coeurdechrist.org, coeurdechrist.org. Coeur is spelled C-O-E-U-R, and then C-O-E-U-R-D-U, and then the word Christ, coeurdechrist.org. And Kellen Clements, who's the head of the board of directors. I want to talk about two things that are often attractors for parents when they're considering school choice for their kids, especially in the high school age. That's academics and athletics. And so I'm going to um, point athletics to you, Kellen, and then academics. I want to come back to the concept of fidelity to our faith, uh, really the fullness of Catholic faith being something that is supported and promoted in a school, Genevieve, and how Quota Christ measures up in that regard. But let's start with athletics, uh, Kellen. Uh, obviously, you have a background that is very deeply impacted by the reality of athletics, helping to shape and define how people approach life with your professional football career. Talk about how you have seen athletics be done well and poorly and how that impacts how you're doing athletics at Quota Christ? That's a great question. Um, well, the easy part is how I've seen it done poorly. Um, and, and this I saw at the professional level. Um, I saw it in college. I saw it in high school. And I see it even now with young people locally, regionally, um, when we end up placing sports ahead of God, we've lost our way. And, and that was always, um, it's always a challenge, um, especially when we start talking about AAU basketball and club volleyball and some of these, these teams that are just going and going and going. And we get so busy that we don't leave space. We don't reserve space for God. And, and I always found such a, it was always so, it was saddening um, when there were people that I was around that we would be playing, we would be doing things. And I'd say, you know, where is mass? When are we going to mass? How are we going to, um, how, how are we going to find time for God? And they're like, well, I, you know, we got games this week. We've got a tournament. We've got this. Um, and that, that to me has been, is probably one of the saddest parts of what I've, what I've seen sports become. I was one of the, I was fortunate enough to play with um, Philip Rivers when I was in San Diego and Philip and I, it, it didn't, it didn't matter. Um, you know, when we were on the road, it didn't, it didn't, it, it, we always found time for math somewhere, somehow we went to and in training camp every year, the second Sunday of training camp is when you would typically have a practice 
and it was hard because you have meetings and practice and then more meetings and another practice. It was the one Sunday, probably a year where you had practice. And Philip and I went to a 5 a.m. Vietnamese math one time in San Diego. I can't say that I got a lot out of the homily, um, but Jesus was there. It was beautiful. Um, and, and we found it and were able to do that. And that's, that's, that's what we're trying to emulate, um, or, or, um, embrace, I would say a quarter Christ from an athletics perspective. Okay. Nobody, nobody goes out and plays a game and hopes to lose. That's never the goal. Okay. Winning is always a goal That's we compete to win. That's biblical, but the, but the the end game of what we're talking about is is goes back to what I said earlier where we're truly trying to form these young men and women for the long game right we're trying to form them to be virtuous young men and women that uh, are able to practice self-discipline right that's one of the greatest things that sports gives us is discipline over our minds discipline over our bodies discipline over our emotions also that translates to all the things we were talking about with dances and all of this right just interacting having that discipline over our minds, bodies, and emotions um, is critical. And that's one of the things that that we're trying to um, really instill in these young men and women. And they have it in spades already, but, but athletics is just an opportunity to really, I think, further the lessons that their parents have already done such a great job of, 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 of instilling in them at that point. Anyway, we have, um, we had volleyball this year. We had uh, men's basketball, um, and then we'll continue to grow um, in the years to come. So, but um, that's that's us in athletics. That's that's the. I, I think that we all, even members of the board. Obviously, Genevieve was a college athlete, um, and there are several people that played in college in in the even in the community that that see the see the benefits of of playing athletics. But that goal that many people play is just to get to the next level. That's our goal as well, but it's not college. That next level is heaven. That's the I'm playing so that I can get to the next level. That's why we're all in this, um, and uh, and using athletics just as as a hopefully a tool to help these young men and women get there. That's that's so beautiful. I and so well said. And again, with the authenticity of uh, what you bring to the table, there it just it, it makes a very powerful witness. And it is, it's rare, sadly, it's rare. Um, and, and I would say it's, um, it's almost rarest at some of the most competitive Catholic high schools that, that I've, yeah. I've been to and been around that um, you look on their websites, you listen to their coaches, you see the spirit on the, on the, on the field, whatever that um, sports field is, you're not sensing at a visible, obvious level, the kind of thing that you're talking about. And because it has to be pursued, yeah. it has to be clearly uh, put forward and pursued. If in fact, um, it's going to, if that, that kind of spirit's going to show up. So I think that's a well, it has to gift. Be, it has to be intentional. Yeah. it ha- You have to understand why you're, why you're doing it. And I think that we're trying to communicate that clearly to these young men and women. Um, and the, the, the program will grow. And we'll continue to grow um, both just in size, but hopefully in virtue. Um, I, I'll tell you the, the, the highlight for me this, this year, um, we've got a men's basketball team that is pretty talented. Unfortunately, we had an injury, but we're, we're a pretty talented group. We're well above 500. I think we're nine and four, nine and five now. Um, 
And, um, but the highlight for me has been two things. One, it's been of the season. One has been the young people, Mrs. Edmonds kids being one of them, my own kids being some of them, other families that I talked about that are now looking up to these young men as like, those are the role models. Those are the role models that they are looking up to. And I think that these young men are doing a really good job of, of embracing that role and that opportunity, um, that responsibility. Um, but the other thing we, we went to, uh, we went to Clark Fork uh, early in the year and we lost, we lost by, I don't know, 10. Um, and it was, there were a number of things that, that happened that were maybe we'll just call them unusual a little, there were some number of things that, that were, um, there was some adversity that was presented. Let me put it that way. And I got a phone call from their principal the next day that spoke. Um, he just wanted to make sure that he conveyed how well we represented, how well our coaches and our players represented the school. They never complained. They never, um, moaned about what was going on about you know things that maybe could have been perceived as as difficult or unfair they just showed up and they played the game and they lost and they lost with dignity and they lost with virtue and i will take that over a blowout win anytime any time um and and that's what i i think that that perspective hopefully is is something that these young men are are growing in um, and can see. They don't like losing. We lost bad last night, but um, but I think that they can see the the bigger picture of what this is what this is really all about. And that's that's for me probably the most rewarding thing of this is watching these young men grow and then watching the young people that look up to them. Well, yeah, and just to to finish that point, Kellen, you're you're the way you're describing and linking so beautifully the discipline of athletics connected to the discipline of growing as a man of God uh, or mm-hmm. a woman of God, uh, uh, you know, through engaging with athletics. It when it can be done consciously, intentionally, and it's put forward as the ideal at a at a at a school that is faith based, the school operating in the Catholic tradition, mm-hmm. that's a huge gift, just a huge gift. So I love it. Thank you. Um, uh, Mrs. Edmund, you have the final word about folks that are interested in Court of Christ. What can they do to learn more? Can they tour the school? How do they find out how to get better connected and to see for themselves what you and uh, Kellen are talking about? Absolutely. Well, admissions are open for the 2023-2024 school year. So if a family is interested in finding out more, I always highly suggest a shadow day for their student. It allows for the student to really discern the school and what we're about and the environment. And then I meet with the parents immediately following that shadow day. And again, we have this mutual discussion and, and discernment of whether or not the student would fit in at Court of Christ. We are always hoping to add to our culture in a, in a positive way, whether that means a student is rigorous in their education or they bring a lot of faith to the, the room, we do not prioritize finances in that sense. We have a board that's willing to stay poor in spirit if it means having the best teachers and the best kids. So I get the, the privilege of interviewing these families and students, and this coming year we'll be accepting about 15 to 25 more students uh, into our class to create that, that that cap for this coming year. We don't want to grow too quickly, 
we want to maintain our mission and, and make sure that we keep the emphasis on the kids. So yes, I would encourage any family to either email us or call us at 208-219-7807. And uh, those, those slots will be booking up fast the next month or two. I, yeah, I bet they will. Um, so Genevieve, well, you said something about um, finances and tuition. And I want you to just end on that word about the the approach that you take towards it, because I know that a lot of families, what can hold them back from even considering a private school is the cost. So how does that work itself out at Court of Christ? Yes, we have a tuition scale that is dependent on the gross household income. So you can find that template up on our website on the tuition button. And again, we, we have families, you know, with multiple children enrolled or with, you know, one breadwinner and a stay at home mom. We do our best to adjust, but that tuition scale is very gener generous from the very beginning. And so that gives you an idea of what we would expect of families. I would I would also just put this plug in until I until I started to work in education, I never realized how valuable it is and how expensive it is to do it well. And so I, I always encourage families, if there is a different area in your life that can justify sacrifice, you know, helping a school thrive financially, and especially if the school is doing it well and, and you like their mission, is essential for us, to, you know, to last. We want we want to stick around for years to come. And I think, um, you know, if we have to pay taxes and we have to give give away money or buy our Starbucks every every day. Um, let's prioritize in our kids' faith and and their future matters much more than most of the things we spend money on. So I appreciate support from the community for sure. Many of them have made this tuition scale possible. And so again, we're trying to support and empower the families while providing the best product we can. And Genevieve, yeah, org. You can find out more about tuition, admissions, and also March 18th. Come on out and have an amazing Italian dinner. Pray the rosary. Uh, enjoy a cocktail hour and other festivities happening, including an auction and a paddle raise to support Quota Christ Academy. Uh, that's Mrs. Genevieve Edmond and Kellen Clemens joining me today on the program. Thank you both so much for being generous with your time being courageous in your work. And I uh, just will continue to pray that God blesses the work of Quota Christ Academy. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you, you Tom. God bless you too.